0: Are you looking for alternative investments and tangible assets that help you build and protect your wealth while empowering your financial future? Look no further than Eckerd Enterprises. With over 37 years of experience in the industry, Eckerd Enterprises is your trusted partner in the world of alternative investments and asset management. They have a track record of success with more than 1,300 investors who are on board and over $700 million in capital invested in tangible assets. Their specialty lies in offering immediate cash flow opportunities through mineral rights investments so that you don't have to wait decades to see your investments pay off. Their unique AML approach, born from decades of experience, focuses on aggregating, maturing, and liquidating assets strategically to maximize return. Join Eckerd Enterprises. Visit eckerdenterprises.com today to begin your journey toward building and protecting our financial future.
1: Hey guys, how's it going? I'm excited today to share my recent conversation with Dr. John Boot. John is an accomplished physician, speaker, and blogger, and has had all kinds of professional success. But what I think is especially great about John is his courage to be vulnerable, which is what we're going to be talking about today. And that's despite all the cultural pressures that really all of us are feeling that are pulling us in the opposite direction. Today, we're going to discuss a little bit more about his story, and why he chose to practice medicine in what he describes as the mental health closet for two decades, and how medicine's intense focus on the quality of patient care is generally a good thing, but in some cases has unintended negative consequences. One of those is the failure to address physician's own mental wellness, and in John's case, the resulting pressure to hide mental health flaws that in reality are the very things that make you human. Physicians, and really all of us, feel the pressure to be perfect, but we all know that's impossible, and vulnerability, or acknowledging your imperfection, is really the key to being human. John and I talk about why he courageously chose to publicly share his mental health diagnosis several years ago after successfully hiding it for 20 years, and how he was able to muster up the courage to be extremely vulnerable and share his story in such a big way. We also talk about how sharing this has positively impacted his life in all the most important ways, including his ability to care for patients and why there were some not so positive experiences that resulted from his sharing his story and why John feels even those uncomfortable encounters are really healthy discussions that need to happen in the profession to improve its future. We also talk about some ways you might be able to become more vulnerable yourself. So I think it's going to be a great conversation today. So let's jump right into it. John, how's it going? Thanks for joining me today.
2: It is really my pleasure
1: to be here. Thanks for asking me. Yeah, I'm excited to chat today. We were talking a little bit before this, before we started recording, and how John's story is just such a great example of A physician just really being vulnerable, especially given the circumstances and whatnot. So I'm really excited for you to share your story and for us to kind of chat through that and how that was for you today. So really, really appreciate you coming on to chat.
2: Sure. It's my pleasure.
1: So before we jump into your story, can you just share maybe a little bit of background in your career in medicine and kind of high level, you know, what specialty you practice, that sort of stuff?
2: Sure. I'm a psychiatrist, and I'm um, at the end of my career. I've done both hospital-based work for many, many, many years, and then had a private practice, you know, on the side for all my years, you know, of clinical work. Some years back, I decided to step forward and acknowledge that I have bipolar disorder, and I have presented at large conferences like the American Psychiatric Association, and to small groups of medical students and residents as well. I have thought that it's been important to share my story because we physicians sometimes operate in a world where we are told on many levels, we give ourselves messages as well as a professional culture encourages us to keep certain things quiet and hidden from view. So I've thought it's been best to step forward, you know, in some effort because perhaps there's a greater good in doing so.
1: Yeah, and we were just talking as well. We totally are on the same page on that front. Sometimes it's not the easy road to share, especially some of these more challenging things. But uh, at the, it sounds like your experience has been very much positive, and that's always excellent to hear. So you started out, you did, you had it kind of hidden. Tell me about kind of when you shared your story, or what was the timeline? I'm I'm curious about if you had a period of time in your career and of not sharing it and how long that was. And
2: sure, yeah, I kept my story to myself, except for those people who were very, very close to me, you know, in my life professionally for a couple of decades, I was in what I call a mental health closet. And it was only in the last five years ago that I decided to step forward publicly. And I did that in a very big way at the International Society of Bipolar Disorders, where I remember I stood up in front of the audience and the first thing I said was that I am a psychiatrist and I'm also a psychiatric patient because I have bipolar disorder. It's not to say that I didn't get treatment for that, but I also delayed treatment for a couple of decades. I was able to navigate my way through things despite the fact that I was cycling up and down. And uh, that was a challenge, but, you know, I learned over the years for both historical reasons, you know, in terms of growing up as well as professional reasons that I needed to secret things away. And that wasn't to my benefit and it probably wasn't to the benefit of my clinical work. You know, I must be honest. So I guess it's been over the last five years that I've really stepped forward and shared my story with others. Yeah. And.
1: Before you shared it. So you had quite a few years of kind of holding it in. You feel like it was inhibiting your ability to practice medicine, you kind of hinted at that you feel like you could have been a better practitioner had you shared it earlier.
2: Yeah, very much. I mean, you know, the degree to which my clinical work suffered is really hard to say. I mean, I'm hoping it wasn't to a terrible degree. You know, I did well professionally, you know, I was thought of well, I ran hospital based programs, and I think my clinical practice was a really good one. But you know, it's always hard to know the effect of being hidden and in some ways inauthentic when you are in such in a really in a in a profession where there is you know an honest dialogue that has to happen between patient and physician so I'm hoping it didn't get in the way Mm. too much but to be honest I'm probably not the best judge of that you know in Mm -hmm. in some ways right
1: that authenticity and trust professions. That's in, in our work with helping people with their money. You know, we're kind of at the end of the day in the, in one of the higher trust professions. And when that vulnerability is part of having a trusting relationship, and it's difficult to have really solid relationships when there is lack of vulnerability, but it seems like medicine and really our culture as a, it seems like it's difficult or maybe uncool or, you know, not, not highly looked upon to be vulnerable, but what are your thoughts on that in the culture of medicine and just maybe just the culture in general, like vulnerability to me is like the opposite of perfectionism and, or maybe some people would say success, but what are your thoughts on just kind of the overall culture around us and how that's kind of played into being able to be
2: vulnerable? Sure, that's a real good question. I think that we place a premium on having our doctors be uber competent and to be infallible, you know, in some ways. And of course, we can understand that in some ways because we're placing our care and our health in their hands. Very human expectation that, you know, we are in the hands of someone who is, in fact, really competent. But, you know, that being said, I think physicians pay a very big price at times for that expectation on the some ways, as I said, we can understand it. But in, in other ways, we physicians expect ourselves, not just our patients expect us, but we physicians expect ourselves to perform at times in human levels. And there's a terrible price, I think, that doctors pay. You know, my story is not so unusual. I mean, it's different that I have bipolar disorder from many other doctors, but it's not really that unusual in terms of doctors keeping their mental health conditions in the closet. So many doctors are anxious and worried and burnt out these days. I mean, especially in the context of COVID, but even prior to COVID, it's been, it's been very tough at times for doctors to express a vulnerability, but also another way to say it is to express a certain humanity, to acknowledge that, hey, I need help. Doctors are not good, frankly, at asking others to help them. Many of them come into the profession as care givers, not care receivers. So, part of my story has been how I have navigated my way from becoming, in fact, or going traveling the distance between starting as a care giver ending up not just as a caregiver, but a care receiver and feeling mm-hmm. okay about that.
1: Yeah, and I've heard a, a lot of people talk about what you were just talking about with the profession overall and the stigma. And I was curious in looking at some of the research on the, the numbers, and I found something from ASAP, which is the emergency medicine, one of their associations. They had some, I think this was done. So this was done in October 2020, or at least in October 20, according to their survey. 45% of emergency physicians report that they're not comfortable seeking mental health treatment if needed. 73% feel like there's stigma in the workplace. 57% report being concerned for their job if they were to seek mental health treatment. 27% report that they have avoided seeking mental health treatment in fear of professional rep- repercussions. And so, and th- this survey was done kind of in the middle of COVID or post I was going to say post-spike, but now it's going back up again. But 87% of the emergency physicians also reported feeling more stress since the start of the, the pandemic. So does that kind of line up? I mean, it seems like that's very much indicative of what you were just describing is that there's this pressure there and a lot of physicians are struggling with this.
2: Yeah, very much. Those numbers are exactly in line with what I have seen and frankly, what I have felt you know, over my career. You know, it is difficult for physicians for many reasons to step forward. Again, one is that most of us are historically sort of perfectionistic and come from innate places of being caregivers, but let us remember as well that there are real professional consequences and repercussions for stepping forward. This is not just a fantasy. People or rather doctors can suffer real consequences in terms of their licensure, for example. Many states ask very unfair questions of doctors in terms of their medical license applications and renewals. Questions like, have you ever had a mental health problem? Mm -hmm. Now, I understand Rust of that question. You know, yes, I'm human. Yes, yeah, but the problem is that it drives doctors underground because they feel like if they do step forward and are honest with that answer, they put their entire career at risk. So the scary part for doctors is being being open and feeling free mm-hmm. to acknowledge you know and to get the help that they really need what happens
1: if someone answers yes to a question like that
2: well it really depends upon the state because medical licensure is varies depending upon the state in some states there are programs that are set up to help doctors through situations where they feel like they are going through mental health crises or need treatment. And in other states, that is really not the case. I know of cases of doctors, because I've treated them, where their license has been placed at great risk. And you see we can understand that the basic thrust is to make sure that ultimately patients are well cared for and that doctors are not impaired. Now we can understand that, but the accurate question to ask is not whether you've had a mental health issue in your entire life. You know, let's be real if a doctor has had a panic attack or a history of depression, they can be functioning enormously well once that is treated the more accurate question to ask is whether current mental health symptoms that a doctor has impairs their capacity to do their job and that is a valid question because if that is the case then sure a doctor needs to go on a medical leave and step back but most of the time that's not what has transpired doctors are just burnt out or depressed or anxious and they just need uh, a little bit of help.
1: Probably partly because they've been answering that question. No, when the answer is yes. In other exactly. Words, holding it in and which exactly the problem. That happens often. Yes. Which is crazy. If so, I'm going back to your story. Was it a overnight thing? You're like, I got to get this off my chest. What made you decide to start answering yes to that question Or, you know, start sharing it for you. You went on stage and said, you know, this is me, but what was there a trigger or did it just kind of happen over time?
2: Yes. Well, what happened for me is that my professional acknowledgement followed my personal acknowledgement. My story is such that my cycling over the years intensified for various reasons including the fact that the treatment that i was receiving really wasn't working for me so what happened is that on a clinical level and on a personal level things really came crashing down and i had to decide whether i was going to fully engage in treatment in a very effective way so that i can stabilize my symptoms or not on a personal level so much was at risk for me in terms of my relationships my friendships and as well i think in terms of my capacity to function you know as a doctor so i really had to step forward in my personal life and share with family and friends that i have bipolar disorder and once i did that i just realized that there was no reason not to step forward professionally. So once I had the groundwork laid on a personal level, it just made sense to me. And it really wasn't that difficult to step forward and to say to my colleagues, I have bipolar disorder. I started out a little bit slowly, you know, at, You know, sharing with two colleagues first on the side and their reaction was great. But then it was really when I stepped forward in a big way at a conference and shared it that the word was really out. And I must say that, and I hope people can hear this, that the consequences of me doing so have been almost universally wonderful. I have received so much affirmation and support from my colleagues and I didn't expect that. I wondered whether there was going to be a lot of disapproval and chastisement from professional colleagues and that has not been my experience at all. So my story actually is a good one and it's a heartening one and I hope it empowers others to step forward and to disclose their diagnosis
1: yeah I'm glad it's been a positive experience. I know it's not easy. Everybody feels that um pressure and to kind of hold things in. and Have you had any negative experiences with sharing it? I know on the front end you if you're like most people, I'm sure you thought about all these negative you probably tell your these stories in your head about all the negative things that are going to happen. and it sounds like it's been overall very positive, but have you did you have any poor experiences or did it, any of those negative stories we tell ourselves play
2: out? Yes, I did have a few people at conferences where I presented come up to me after and shared with me that they felt that I should have left the profession and that I couldn't possibly be fit you know, to be a psychiatrist, even stabilized. Their argument was that given the nature of the Psychiatric illness, whether it is a recurrent major depression or a cyclic mood disorder or a current anxiety disorder, that it was likely that I was once again going to become ill and that would impact patient care. And while I understood their point, my argument back to them was that we simply can't exorcise everyone from the profession who is struggling with a mental health issue. We can't have as a response, well, everyone should leave the profession if they happen to have a mental health issue. That is not a solution. The solution is find ways to allow ourselves to care for each other, find ways in our culture to help our colleagues step forward and get the treatment that they need. And I understood where these people were coming from, but I just take a very different perspective on it. That's
1: quite a bold, they said
2: that to your face. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Look, you know, I think that was a good thing that they did that because you see what we have to have at this point is a dialogue. Mm Mm-hmm. And a dialogue means people of differing views stepping forward that we can have these conversations and ultimately come to a place of common ground. There is a lot of stigma and prejudice against mental health issues, as we know, in the physician and the clinical community. But we must hear the voices of those who are on the other side of the fence so that we can hopefully find some common ground there has to be a dialogue and as they say you know you can't clap with one hand well we need we need to hear from all sides here and we're we're big enough and strong enough and i think it's important enough to have those kinds of discussions i think people of goodwill can sit in a room and talk these things out and come to a place where we can balance very well, taking care of our patients in the best way possible and allowing doctors to take care of themselves as well.
1: And that requires both sides being open and honest, I guess from their standpoint, them sharing a lot of people, There was probably a hundred other people that thought the same thing, that just didn't have the courage to say it to your face. Correct. So in that way, they were courageous. That is
2: exactly right. They are because their opinion can be viewed as being harsh and judgmental. Fundamentally where these folks are coming from is that they are trying to make a case that the best patient care is what they're after. They're trying to make that argument, and that is a very understandable place as a doctor to come from. I don't think that it's sustainable given the numbers of doctors that are struggling with mental health issues, but it's a case that, you know, we can understand on a human level they're making.
1: Do you wish you had
2: complained on all this earlier in your career? Very much. I wish that I were at that place. I think my career would have been very different. I think stepping forward as a young career doctor and acknowledging that I have bipolar disorder would have affected my career in a big way. Perhaps there might've been some negative repercussions, but perhaps there might have been positive repercussions too. And I think that in terms of being authentic, And being seen as human, I think the pluses would have definitely outweighed the minuses. Mm -hmm. And I remain pretty convinced of that because in the years since I've stepped forward, I've received the support of innumerable colleagues And that has just reaffirmed for me that I wish I would have done it earlier, but you know, Hey, we're at where we're at when we're at there (laughs) and not before.
1: Yeah. You got to do what you got to do when you're talking to younger physicians. I'm sure I would have to think you have, you've put your stuff out there. You have a blog even, and have some good videos and even did a documentary. Correct. On your experience. So it's definitely any of you guys listening, you can go out and see the full story and hear all sorts of things kind of he and john is very honest and transparent and vulnerable like we've been talking about but i have to imagine you've had lots of physicians of all ages but i'm particularly curious about the younger ones and especially the ones in training i have this i feel like that would be i feel like that would be the most challenging point in your career potentially maybe i'm wrong but to really come clean on that because you're not even, you're, you're so dependent on everything around you and, you know, held back by these big student loans. But have you had many young physicians come to you? And if so, I'm curious what your suggestions or, or feedback was to them that maybe they're struggling with mental health or maybe, I mean, everybody, that's the other thing. Everybody has mental health issues. I don't, I kind of am not clear on, I mean, there are mental health conditions, but like, Somebody that doesn't have mental health issues, I have concerns about them being, having problems or dishonesty or whatnot. So, but younger physicians, what's been your experience in conversations with them?
2: Sure. I spent so much time speaking with medical students and uh, I've done that virtually, you know, for the last year to two, you know, yeah. during COVID, but before that, you know, it's sort of traveling around the country. And It's pretty wonderful to have an opportunity to sit down with eight or 10 or 12, you know, medical students at a time, rather than stand up at a conference, you know, in front of a larger audience, because I have been struck at times with how much they are willing to share about what is going on with them. Now, that being said, I think there's a greater pressure on medical students and residents, young career physicians these days, even than I experienced when I was going through my my earlier career. I think the pressure is tremendous and moving forward when you have supervisors or deans of medical schools or directors of programs. Moving forward when you're dependent upon those people to affirm how well you're doing and they have the future of your career in their hands in some ways, it's a very, very challenging place for a young doctor to be, I completely understand sometimes medical students you know, and residents don't step forward. Now, that being said, one of the wonderful things that is happening these days in terms of the physician community is there is an increasing awareness of mental health issues amongst young doctors. There is a higher rate of suicide amongst doctors, and it, it is not surprising that I've spoken with medical students and residents from programs where there has been a suicide and different programs have responded to this differently there have been some wonderful responses you know for example residency training programs and medical schools have set up committees where they are focused entirely on the mental health of their young trainees, where they have dedicated time for support groups for young trainees to go to, where they have changed their insurance plans so that mental health treatment can be covered, where they have capacity to engage in mental health care in a way that they can in some ways bypass some of the people that are in power so they can do that sort of confidentially. So there are many ways that things have moved forward. Unfortunately, it has come on the back of some some terrible consequences in terms of young physicians harming themselves, or even if it hasn't gotten to that stage, having their work obviously impaired. Because they are unwell.
1: Yeah, because, you know, a lot of people say, I'm not going to come clean on this because I want to preserve my ability to practice medicine. But in reality, the longer you hold in things, that actually starts to cause problems with your ability to practice and practice for a long time. Or maybe, you know, maybe even in the short term, but it definitely. That's right. um, and so we do. We deal with people and their money. And I think from our perspective, we want our clients that practice medicine, this is not always the case, but a lot of them that practice like later into their career or later into, you know, 60s, 70s, like the longer they practice, typically they have a healthy balance and have, they're doing things like paying attention to their mental health and being vulnerable and and that has rewarded them. Financially, but I do see some people that are really just working, hammering it out, perfectionism focused, or, you know, trying to earn as much as they possibly can, trying to, you know, be the perfect physician and are spinning their wheels and burning out and ending their career as a result of that much sooner. Which, and there's not even, it's not even about the money. There's a lot of other more major things that happen from that. But I think financially, in in your experience, you sounds like you have done a very good job kind of balancing all this stuff and have been financially rewarded for that. But do you feel like with your finances, has that tied into your ability to, has it ever been a undercurrent to your feelings about sharing things? Has there ever been any concerns about, you know, if you were to lose your license and come clean on this thing, there is that cost of potentially losing income. Has that ever entered into your mind? And even though you've done a good job with your finances or has that been a non-issue?
2: No, I think it's actually, has been an issue for me at one point in my career You know, untreated psychiatric illness can affect one's life in so many ways, both personally, in terms of friendships, in terms of intimate relationships, in terms of your physical health, but also in terms of your financial well-being. When things had spun out of control for me when i referred to that a little while ago it was the only time in my career where i thought it might affect my job now i'm not sure it affected my clinical work but i had a hospital-based job and things had really been spinning out of control for me in a bad way in terms of being very depressed it was hard for me to struggle to keep things inside and what i ended up doing is deciding that i had to leave hospital-based work because i just couldn't attend meetings i couldn't have those expectations on me i didn't feel like i could really perform in a way that i needed to perform and that was a big financial struggle for me i ended up doing fine in terms of private practice and i loved my career that i chose to go in that direction But it's just one small example, I think, of how the scary aspect of being destabilized in life, including financially, can be the result of untreated psychiatric, Mm -hmm. untreated psychiatric illness. I think a lot of it
1: is just uncertainty in general, whether it be financial uncertainty or uncertainty about what people are going to say about. Correct.
2: Yes. It's scary to to go to those places.
1: Right. But in a lot of cases, that's the healthier path, right?
2: Correct. Unnecessary. And at times too much to bear to carry around this very heavy weight on your shoulders, both personally and professionally. And, you know, remember so much is at stake. Your sense of identity is wrapped up in being a doctor. And when that, at least in our own minds, in terms of in, as well as in terms of reality, is placed at risk, then it's a scary place to be.
1: Yeah. And it's also easier, I think, <laughs> to talk about it on the back end and kind of reassess things. But if you're living in it, that's like a hard spot to be in when you're butting up against that um, potential big, scary uncertainty of, you know, whatever it is, maybe it's sharing something about your situation or whatever, you know, there's all sorts of things like that. You have any suggestions for like how, cause I, you know, I'm a big fan of kind of leaning in to it and, but it's very mentally, cha- it's challenging on all fronts and you have done a, you've done a good job at it and you are a professional and you help people dealing with those same big, scary things. And any suggestions for how to kind of, when you're right up against that big, scary reveal or uncertainty, or you kind of, and I feel like in your heart, you kind of know if you peel back the layers enough, in my experience, it, fe- it feels like, you know, the difference between something. Cause you'll tell yourself like, well, that's going to be, I don't need to do this, but with those scary things that are going to be good for you and you your heart know that like, that's probably the right thing to be honest with, but how do people do it? How do you make the jump?
2: Mm-hmm. That's a good question. It did take me a long time. So there is a process here and there is a journey. Ultimately, we cannot outrun ourselves. At some point, there's going to be a price that people pay, that doctors pay for not taking care of themselves. So I want to differentiate two things because it's important. Not everyone needs to follow my path which is one where I have stepped forward in a much more public way and acknowledged the fact that I have a, a mental health condition. Remember, the first step is to have doctors simply get treatment, even if it's in a quiet, confidential way, even if it is not professionally acknowledged to anyone. It would be a fantastic step if doctors merely got got treatment for themselves that is not happening in the way that it needs to happen. Doctors are scared even to see a psychiatrist behind closed doors. Confidential I mean from a a confidential point of view, doctors are worried. You know, there are things like insurance reimbursements and pharmacy prescriptions and things like that. You have to answer yes to the question now. Correct correct but i think that it's important to remember that that is that is the best first step i think that there is likely someone in your life or some few people in your life where you probably can share your diagnosis with if you you know can come to trust them but again we're not asking doctors to step forward in the most public of ways but i want to say something as well which is very important you know sometimes we place all the burden on the shoulders of doctors to step forward themselves and to disclose to themselves or others that they have a psychiatric condition and i think that is unfair let us remember that the profession has an obligation to make it easier for doctors to do so those who have been those who have been unwell in some ways have to step forward and get treatment so that it's easier for doctors to step forward. And that is happening. You know, in the professional culture, the issue of mental health among doctors is definitely rising to the surface. The APA has expended a lot of energy in terms of trying to address things like physician burnout and psychiatric illness. Many conferences these days have many sections related to doctor mental health. So that's a great thing, but we need to keep that ball rolling so that the, there's an a willingness and an openness to help our colleagues in need.
1: Yeah, I think for me at least, it's getting kind of over this hurdle of recognizing that we're all human and we have lots of issues, <laughs> you know. Yes, and because it's, I feel I'm kind of a perfectionist lean, pretty pretty heavy maybe. And with perfectionism, it's like. Uh, you are invincible you know you kind of tell yourself yes that, that story and then the problem with that is it's impossible so as these natural human flaws come up and there's not just one there's you tend to shove it down and hide it and I think it's just right the, right which is not healthy right <laughs> right
2: exactly Yeah, you know, one of the things I've learned over the years is that I do not need to stop speeding bullets or leap tall buildings in a single bound. I do not need to be Superman. What has helped me very much is to come to a place where I can accept my humanness. That is what has allowed me to Come to a place of peace, acceptance. You see, if we frame it as we are damaged, or flawed, or somehow pathological, then it is very tough place to actually sit with that and come to a place of peace. But if we can reduce it to a place where I am just human, I can accept that and live with that. To me, that is what has provided the freedom. Because you see, I can live with that. I can live with that just fine. Right. You're a
1: normal, I mean, you are human with your, all the flaws and um, that's right. That's just, that actually makes you more human. It's interesting. I have, I was talking to my wife about this yesterday, the day before, I feel like there's very few guys, like I can really open up and share, you know, all the whole, you know, story of my life, the secrets and everything like that. Uh, yes. A lot, you know, a lot of times it's just like, let's just talk about sports or whatever and you know, yes. uh, surface yes. level conversations. But yeah. any of the people I think of as like truly good friends are the ones, I, and it may be even necessary to be tight with somebody, to share like all your humanness, your baggage. And when you don't share that, or the less you share of that, the harder it is to kind of get close to somebody. And I, we were talking about that. It's just like uh, the tendency, the cultural pull is to be kind of strong, especially for men, I think. uh, Yes. Powerful. Yes. That pulls you away from people. It's not, and it's, for me, talking to somebody else, it's just all surface level. I'm like, what about, like, where's your flaws? Like, talk, (laughs) you seem too Mm -hmm. perfect for me, but let's talk about Reality.
2: Yes, very much. You know, I think humans are wired to connect, and that's a very wonderful and healthy thing. And it takes a certain kind of courage and strength and vulnerability to show people who we truly are. I think men have a particularly challenging time with this, given the expectations, the cultural expectations that are placed on us but women do not escape this either i do think that your capacity to allow others to see you will change the course of your life and that has been my experience and i would encourage people to to give it some thought because you don't really further your life in all the most important ways by hiding and by mm-hmm. secreting things away
1: right and i'm sure everybody listening has you know maybe one or two but maybe like 50 kind of hidden things that they'd rather not yeah <laughs> probably exactly more than 50, 50 in. probably more than 50 <laughs> probably more than 50 <laughs> but uh, everybody's got all that stuff the you know human stuff so i think everybody would be you know well served like John was saying, like in the important areas of life, sharing, maybe just start with one little small one. If you're especially if you're having trouble with it, it's just talk to one person about one little thing and test it out for a little bit.
2: Sure. You know, you can ask yourself if a friend came to you and shared something that was close to their heart, how would you react? Now, the chances are, most people or most good friends would be open and would be trying very hard to understand and would be supportive of that. So it's no different when the reverse is true. You know, you probably have people in your life that would very much support you and understand you. And if you choose wisely, there can be something very freeing and something solidifying about relationships
1: and i think it improves it improves well in certain experiences or times it might repel people Mm -hmm. so it is Mm -hmm. probably good to set Mm -hmm. the expectation like every once in a while you'll have a bad experience with someone that you share that's right but that is a great reason it's for good reason that they're mm-hmm. compelled mm-hmm. Uh, and having them mm-hmm. less connected to you is probably a good thing in right. your life but for most people right it'll make you much tighter and like one of my best friends that i would consider right now is a guy that i run with every couple of days and we just share like all the stuff you know like all the you know good and bad stuff in life and mm-hmm. just we become tight and i think it's strictly because of
2: the vulnerability aspect yes but if I can say something that I have learned over the years is that there are few things in life that are as powerful and as freeing as authenticity. Totally agree.
1: That is a good good couple words to close it on. I think that's <laughs> <laughs> sure. Let that one soak in. Well, John, I really enjoyed chatting with you. This has been fun. And I encourage everybody to check out, we'll link to John's blog and some of his videos. And I encourage everybody to check those out. And you can learn more about, we didn't, we kind of skimmed the surface of your story, but you can learn more about that and his experiences.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much. It's really been a pleasure to be here. It's been a fun conversation. And I hope that there are some people, some doctors or non clinicians out there who have heard us talk and where something resonates, you know, with them in ways that can be helpful.
1: That is exactly right. That's if we can move the needle. Correct. A lot of times it's just the one little step too. I mean, one tiny right. little step. It can. That is a exactly little,
2: right. Small,
1: teeny little step. That is a huge, because it can compound. Like when you take the little tiny step, turns in, you know, you can take another step. And, then, and it doesn't have to be yes. like, tell your deepest, darkest secret, you know, tomorrow. Exactly.
2: Okay? Exactly. Yeah. I like to say that we change the culture of silence one conversation at a time. Right. And that's the way it goes.
1: That is exactly right. Well put. Awesome. Well, thanks, John.
2: It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: For more information about alternative investments and asset management, visit Eckerd And remember, Eckerd Enterprises is your gateway to tangible assets and lasting financial success. Visit Eckerd today.
1: And we would love to get to know you better and see if we might be able to help. Feel free to reach out anytime to schedule an introductory meeting. You can find more info about us at w-r-e-n-ne-financial.com.